This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. My name is Lydia Simons, and I would love to share about how God has been steadfast in my life. The past couple years have been the most difficult years my mom passed away January of 2016, and she suffered for five years with multiple sclerosis, which is a nerve disease. Um, and it just slowly took over her body. And I watched her slowly lose more of her personality and her mobility. And it was just really rough. And I got to the end of her suffering and was really confused in how God could still allow so much suffering. I knew that God could allow suffering, but I was confused on why. Why was it lasting so long? But I prayed out to the Lord, and I remembered that He's been good in my past and throughout my whole life, and He's good now, and He's going to be good in my future. And He goes before us and behind us, and He's steadfast the whole time. And I rest in the verse that's from Nehemiah chapter 8, and it says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I am just so glad that I don't have to be consistent, that I don't have to rest in my strength, but I can rest in His strength, the joy of the Lord. And even as a worship leader, I lead at my church and being able to be transparent and vulnerable with the congregation has been awesome. And we've even sang the song Steadfast this year over and over again. And the people have really enjoyed that because we know when you sing those words, steadfast, steadfast, over and over again, you kind of, each time you sing it, you believe it a little more um, and just reminded of how steadfast and how consistent that God is. Hey, this is Sandra McCracken, and you're listening to Steadfast. This is a podcast where I have a conversation with friends, mentors, and people I admire. We talk about how God's steadfast love has shown up in every season of our lives. My guests today are Jamie and Deanna Smith. James K.A. Smith is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book several years ago called Desiring the Kingdom and has written several since, one of which most recently is called You Are What You Love. Um, he is a remarkable writer and educator. He's in um, Grand Rapids at a school there called Calvin College. Um, and that is where I first met them. And I love um, this conversation because I enjoy the interplay between Jamie and his wife, Deanna, and both as personal friends, which you'll hear a little bit of that, um, they just have an interesting balance and a, and a beautiful portrayal of what it is to be married, to be two separate people, and yet to be joined in work and in life and love from a very young age. So um, I am excited to share this time with you, and please feel free to pull up a chair and join us. So maybe we could start, if you would want to share a little bit about your your life together, how you guys met, how you guys ended up in Grand Rapids. You're from Canada, right? Yes, that's yes. right. Yes. Yeah. Went to elementary school together. <laughs> that is amazing, by the way. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. We were back home in Stratford, Ontario, which is the first city that we lived in after we got married. And we were there a couple of weeks ago to visit family and had some of our kids along. And because of some of the difficulty in, in our family of origin over the last number of years, we felt this need to sort of reconnect with some of our roots and where we came from and some of the beautiful parts of of our story that, that God has blessed us mm. with over the years. And so uh, we started in Stratford. Uh, a couple of our kids were with us and we were able to um, show them the hospital where they were born and mm-hmm. the first apartment we had after we were married and the first house where we brought them home from the hospital. Heading outside of Stratford out to the farm where I grew up and where my family learned how to to be Christians and to be part of community. And then on past the elementary school that Jamie and I had both attended, and then out to a, a boyhood home of Jamie's where he grew up out in the country alongside a creek. And it was both beautiful because it evoked so many good, strong memories and, mm-hmm. and uh, a foundation of where we'd come from. But in some ways, it was... Um, a little bit difficult too, because of some of the losses uh, we've experienced in our life. But the beauty of it is it's where the story began. It was a great reminder for us. Sometimes that place of nostalgia and of like belonging when it's broken and then re, you know, like kind of reimagined in a sense. Sometimes when I go back to those places, I have to go back and say like, Lord, were you with me? Like, what was it like? It's interesting. Yeah, we uh, think of the theme of God's steadfastness. I mean, what's interesting is we, compared to everybody else in our family, we've been very mobile. <laughs> you know, like we've we're the only ones who moved away. Mm-hmm. We're we left the country. We lived on both coasts. We've you know landed in in Grand Rapids, and so we both deal with just a lot of brokenness and unfaithfulness mm-hmm. and unsteadfastness in our our extended families Mm. and yet i would say we have experienced god's faithfulness and steadfastness in the sense that he's always been ahead of us he's always prepared a place for us even when he's stretching us and calling us beyond our Mm. sort of comfort zones there's it's like he's always ahead of us preparing a way and the people for us it was it was it kind of messed me up i didn't sleep for days because we did we sort of it sort of jarred loose stuff in your unconscious about hurts and things but on the other hand i mean deanna has been the most sort of potent means of grace in my life and the most embodied representation of god's steadfastness to me and so it's just interesting to see that in a way we could have this life that is quite mobile and it might look like we've moved a lot but on the other hand i feel like we've experienced a rootedness and we're trying to build a rootedness i guess for our family that we didn't experience ourselves and i I think that's only the grace of god could explain that (laughs) yeah yeah what a gift that you guys met so young and a gift that you didn't even know to ask for and yet as you look back it's like that's a thread that is held when a lot of other threads haven't. And we all are given different kinds of gifts. I, I wasn't given that particular gift, but I've been given other ones. And to be able to say, yes, I see it. And and still, I feel like I say this all the time, but the experience of John 11 and, and Mary saying to the Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like whatever that fill in the blank of, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened or this would have been okay. 
And yet Christ meeting her in that moment is, that is the place where he has never answered that question for me. But he wants me to ask it, and I can ask it a different way now than I can in the middle of trauma. But I'm still asking it, and I can also ask it with friends and community. And when I experience those broken threads in their life, I, I'm able to stand next to them and to plead, yeah. you know, Psalm 10, where it says, Lord, where are you hiding? You know, yes. <laughs> like, yes. and I think it's righteous to basically say, I don't have an answer to that. And yet he invites us to speak these words back to him. And absolutely, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's like, this seems to be the way. <laughs> That's the thing about lament is the backside of lament is actually always this deep trust and expectation and the frustration is actually rooted in a kind of expectation that this is the god who's there and who will be there for you and and who thankfully is never ever afraid of that question right he doesn't scold us for asking those questions I, it's hard to imagine the god who enshrines lament in so many of the psalms ever yeah. judging us for being honest with him about that question yeah oh man it's so true and i for some reason he encourages maybe in that he wants like that that thing i don't know who originally said it but conflict breeds intimacy and that mm. he wants us to be awake and he would rather have us talk to him about it than to just like there's this great uh, song Bonnie Raitt sang. It's a John Prine song. It says, like, um, how the hell can a person go to work in the morning and come home in the evening and have, have nothing to say? You know, mm. and I just like that line, like when she sings mm. that, I just think like, mm. man, that yeah. is that is the thing that God is saying. You're not going to come home from work and ignore me. Like, I want you to talk to me. And he presses in and it's like, it's like, I don't really want to be awake. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. just like, yeah. you know, pick yeah. up the remote and like, give Somebody me just make me a martini. <laughs> yeah. So, but I do, I don't. And I do, right. It's this tension. Of... Sure. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a vulnerable walk. And once you've experienced that and the sacred questioning in it, then it's kind of hard to go back to the asleep thing, you know, and we do, we fall into it, of course, but like that, um, you know, prone to wander, Lord, Lord, I feel it. I mean, we wander and we, you know, check out and we medicate with whatever thing. But he ultimately, I think those questions are the places where he calls us out. So when we have the opportunity to go to a place that stirs up, like, I don't know how you said that, but like, it dislodges all these things that have been like secured, you know, like an astronaut, like we had all these things like locked into the walls, but now they're floating around again. And in this in zero gravity, yeah. you know? And I think it was interesting that we could model that for the kids a little bit too. So we had some, some of the kids were with us and it was just sort of like inviting them into our story. And maybe we don't do that enough as parents or grandparents. We, we take for granted what kids know about, you know, who you were. So to, to take them on this little pilgrimage to our sites was just a way of inviting them mm. into that story and uh, mm. honesty about that. Well, sure. And and it was really a way for them to to see those places and have a positive story attached to them. Because when we do go home, because of the divorces on both sides of our family, there's no place there anymore that holds the story of who we are or where we came from in terms of an intact, you know, grandparent 
family with photographs of us growing up and and things like that. It's all part of the stories that we share now, Jamie and I, with our kids. And for a long period of time, that that loss was so wrapped up in hurt and pain that talking about any of it was just sort Mm -hmm. of difficult and a sore spot. And so I do think this little trip down memory lane when we were in Stratford was a way to unpack some of those good memories that we do still have and to share some of the good parts of the story in that, yes, my family, my parents are divorced and it seemed like there was so much that was lost in that, but God did bring us, God saved us. God, God reached into our lives when I was 10 years old and my parents became Christians. And, you know, we started a foundation at that point and we've been building on that. And it's not always a straight line. It doesn't always go exactly the way that we think that it's going to. And yes, there's a lot of loss involved there, but we still are where we are today because of that story God began when I was 10 years old. And that began with my parents and that began on this farm where they learned how to be Christians, what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to live in community, what it meant to show hospitality and invite people in and and share life together. And I learned that there. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Do you keep, when you hold these stories, you tell them verbally, do you write them down? Do you have habits that help you to remember that like almost like these Ebenezer's, you know, in your life, like this is a place where God met us. This is a, you know, Are there habits that help that or what are the ways that you practice that? I've always been a a storyteller through pictures, photographs, and have kept uh, scrapbooks from the time I was young. In in high school, I was already taking pictures and putting them in scrapbooks and and journaling, like just small sort of bullet journals Mm -hmm. alongside the pictures Mm -hmm. to tell the story. My dad recently contacted me, sent me an email. He was at his mom's house, my grandmother, and she was cleaning out her storage room, passing things down and came across a scrapbook I had made, I think in eighth or ninth grade of our family tree with photographs and, and whatnot. You know, my dad sent me a picture of it. And at the same time, it was both beautiful mm. to remember, mm. but sad. But, but yeah, that's the way I've, I've told stories. I have scrapbooks, we have shelves and shelves (laughs) of scrapbooks but we all love them and the kids love them and it's just this tangible memento and and it does you can and and the books also have commentary Mm -hmm. so there's there's stories that go alongside that i think which is Mm -hmm. it's been a huge blessing it's interesting you ask about praxis too when we came back from this trip i mean i I was it really kind of did a number on me to be honest emotionally and and I wasn't sleeping. And so Deanna just encouraged me to mm-hmm. journal. And I was also having these crazy dreams. And so during our staycation week, I did some journaling to just kind of like process that. As a writer, I guess I think out loud by writing a bit. And it was it was, it was a very helpful yeah, discipline that I think I want to weave into my life a little bit more because it just mm-hmm. seemed kind of liberating and brought a certain wholeness to the story. Yeah, I think sometimes if there's like an outlet of some kind, some sort of uh, expressive outlet, even for those of us that don't, don't feel like creative people, we are so inherently creative, you know? It, it's like we need a, an expressive yes. mode. It could be something totally different, but some outlet for what to do. And I know they, like in music therapy and with children that have had trauma or even like equine therapy, 
just these these ways of like getting yeah. getting that those kind of toxins and like so the joys and the sorrows, but trying to express it in a way that doesn't get lodged within our bodies and not and kind of trapped, you know. Yes. There seems to be some yes, yeah, some logic to that. And it gets at what you were you said earlier too about you know this kind of putting together heart, soul, and mind, and putting together intellect and, and emotion, and it's like the human person is this multi-stringed mm-hmm. instrument, and there are strings we don't know that yeah. we're plucking, or that you know, like there are strings that we don't attend, or maybe it's we don't we don't <laughs> tune them very well. Maybe they're always being played, but we don't <laughs> always that. tune them very. Well. And sometimes these um, disciplines and practices are ways of tuning those parts of us that we don't pay as much attention to so that then the chord mm. sounds the way it's supposed to do, or yeah. at least a little closer. You're no, the musician. I love I should that. Not be and talking. it reminds me again of that same hymn that says, tune my heart, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart, yes. sing thy praise. And yes. which it is an echo of, of that Augustinian, the idea of disordered loves, like our affections or, or like, so our affections in a sense is what, that would be what we resonate so learning to resonate in tune with what's true and yeah. good and beautiful and and even the ways that brokenness is caused to take that analogy further it's like well so if if there was trauma to the guitar those tuning pegs have gotten a little out of joint you know and so to retune yeah. Yeah. would be appropriate after mm-hmm. an injury to the instrument and that could be any kind of thing yeah. you know and then we i love hey, we can run with this <laughs> Another part of this too is sometimes we have to realize the spiritual significance of practices and disciplines that don't look immediately churchy Mm -hmm. or religious. I'm thinking about, we take friendship Mm -hmm. really seriously and I think we try to be pretty intentional that, and God, it's another way that God has always prepared Mm -hmm. the way for us is he's always given us friends. And when you were asking about sort of habits and practices, I was thinking about one of our most steadfast practices is actually Wednesday night wine, which which is this just this really kind of easy thing where another our, our best friends Mark and Don Mulder we go over to their place uh, every Wednesday night, and if it can't be a Wednesday and it has to be a Thursday, we still call it Wednesday night wine, and we just you know share a bottle of wine, have some cheese, and and talk, and it's like a little echo mm. of of mm. the Lord's table, but we well, also and we do journal a lot journal with exactly, that. and I think we're. Yeah, we're on our third journal now, I think, because one got lost along the way and then it was refound. But at any rate, we have three journals and we do note the wine that we're trying and have tried to branch out and try different things. But more what I love about it is the section where you can jot down things that we had talked about that night. And so do you do that? Tell me what that's like. So you journal um, the date and the the wine and the people that are there? Yes. And um you're supposed to rate the wine and, you know, give some descriptors about the wine. I don't know that we always get all the stuff about the wine, but <laughs> we do make notes of of things that are going on in our lives and the lives of our children. And, 
and uh, not what, that, what we talked about. That what night. we talked about that night, and we do it while we're there. Together. Like it's not something yeah. we do. Somebody's, somebody's a designated <laughs> love that. communal journaling. I remember you telling me that story. I'm so glad that came up because I think that is that could be such a life giving practice for people to hear that and to think creatively about ways we can express friendship and grace in our lives. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, then we'll take a, a few minutes and go back through it because it's a way of sort of rehearsing the history of our friendship. And that's, there's chronicle of heartbreak in there and oh, there's uh, chronicles of rejoicing. And, yeah, and we've been doing just, it for 12 years now, which is, is so hard to, uh, I, we couldn't even believe it. We knew it had been a while, but then when we actually looked back must through, be we're pretty old. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really just great to, to just see the ways that, there have been struggles that we've had that are noted in there and, and then the way that God has been faithful to us through through that time and, and through our, our friendship. That. You know, one other thing I kind of wanted to ask and see if you have thoughts or anything you'd want to share about it. So I'm not married, but I was married. And I think the balance and the delicate tension between togetherness and then being individuals. So for you as as having this partnership since you were so young and the way that that has been a means of grace in your life and a means of God's faithfulness, has it been challenging to hold your own identities, your own inner life? And, you know, whether it's your relationship with God or with friends or with your calling and vocation in life, is there, yeah, what is the interplay between separateness and togetherness as, um, how long have you guys been married? 27. 27 years. Yeah, this August. Yeah. So just thinking out loud, right? When we got married, one of the things that we talked about at our wedding was that we really truly believe that God brought us together and that he called mm-hmm. us as a team and that there would be nowhere that we would be called to go or anything that we would be called to do that he <laughs> wouldn't be calling both of us to do together. And that's, I think in a lot of ways, that's been a guiding principle for the way we've processed so many different things in our lives. If we both weren't feeling the call to a particular thing and we weren't, yeah. couldn't get on the same page, then that's not likely the place God was leading us to. So that, that's been a, a guiding principle in helping us to stay on the same page together. It sounds so cliche to say, but it is so true that Jamie really is my best friend. And I think we spend a lot of time together. We have Mm -hmm. for a long time, he works from home a few days a week and there's nobody that I would rather spend time with. There's nobody I can think of that I would Mm -hmm. go to first to share anything with, whether it's something to celebrate or something that's sad or, or what what it might be. There's no one that Mm -hmm. I would rather go to first and that our days are shaped by the things that we do together, whether it's the coffee he makes for us first thing in the morning or going to the gym together or afternoon tea. Mm-hmm. There's just no one I'd, I'd rather be with. And the, the gift of the travel that we do together and the hours that we get to spend together in a day are just what I treasure mm-hmm. most in life. That's beautiful. That said, there was never any danger of Deanna losing her identity. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, it's interesting. We we led a small so group. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> so I, I I I that that's so true. I mean, we really I do think we we are best friends. 
But we also, I remember probably, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, we led a small group for some students and we read a book together by David McCarthy called Sex and Love in the Home. Hmm. And it was, it's actually a really difficult book, but it was really, really insightful book. I think it made a big difference for us how we looked at marriage too. And one of the things he emphasizes is no marriage is hmm. self-sufficient and no no couple can be a world unto themselves. Hmm. And it's actually always a mistake to expect your spouse to be everything. No spouse can be everything to the other spouse. And so it's crucial to have friendships and relationships, you know, beyond your mm-hmm. spouse and outside of that. And so I think we've walked a lot. I think Deanna is much better at being a friend to others than I am. And I, there might be just some gender socialization in general where guys, I don't know, I'm sometimes jealous of, of how mm-hmm. the friendships that Deanna has mm-hmm. cultivated, you know, beyond me. But there, there's something about, yeah, you absolutely have to find resources outside of that. Although it's a fine dance, too, because I think we've also seen it can be dangerous if couples always only have friends that they don't ever share mm-hmm. in common, too. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I don't, I, I don't want to claim any particular wisdom about that. But I think we try to walk this line of, on the one hand, deep dependence on one another, but also uh, without overexpecting of what any marriage could yeah. deliver. Yeah, I you guys seem to have something really, really rare, and I think you've cultivated it. I think it's been given to you. Maybe I would say that in reverse order. You know, those things are, and not to pedestalize it, but because I've enjoyed, I mean, I've enjoyed being around you and really watching you all push back and disagree with each other in a in just a straightforward generous way both of you I mean well I I don't know I just I just it's so refreshing to me and I think I I am you know I'm 40 years old and I I am still learning what conflict and intimacy looks like and I haven't really experienced that you know I mean I I haven't watched you guys have a big fight but it's like I just feel like you guys are gonna speak up and that sense of having a strong identity seems part of it so when you affirm like Deanna for you to affirm the the shape of the friendship, it goes without saying that that is because you're so strong in who you are and that you don't lose yourself in Jamie. And it just, it's evident being around you. And I just think that's Mm. what is hard to put words on, but it's so important in, I think it's important in, in marriage relationships or any kind of relationships that they wouldn't be enmeshed, but that they would actually be like symbiotically held together, like mutual. And showing up and not losing yourself for the other or feeling the feelings for the other. And I I think, you know, even pushing aside pop psychology language of that, there's something so biblical about that, you know, and and I don't know how to access it, but I see it in you all. And I'm really thankful to get to see it and to just know you guys in friendship because of that. No, you're very kind. We, we've we, we've so enjoyed building a friendship with you too, and it's it's interesting. We, you know, I think all of us are also thinking about what does it look like to sort of model yeah. for our kids, and and I think I I, th- I sometimes worry about younger generations. I think they have less. I, I, I don't want to. I'm not pointing a finger. I just mean I think sometimes they either feel like mm-hmm. dismissal or. They have to concede yeah. everything. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Like there, maybe it's something about social media culture or whatever. But it's like either you have to be one hundred percent cheerleader on board with everything somebody does, or you just have sort of contempt for them. Whereas 
Uh, no, no, no. A friendship looks like having enough trust and confidence in one another that you yeah. can also disagree and critique and, you know, hold one another accountable. And it's a, just such a huge skill set dynamic that the body of Christ needs too, I think. Yeah. I don't know that I learned it in my family of origin. And I think the church has just in, in terms of what we're given in the gospel, that those are the tools to be honest and to be loving. Because the other version, yeah. the version that is my default is like, I just want you to be happy with me, which is actually me loving me and not you, but to yeah. be loved. And when yeah, you feel the agitation of that honesty, when somebody says, hey, Sandra, you are, when they see something or can call out something, I trust them because they're telling me the truth and it yeah. deepens the friendship. And and yet, you know, it's not my natural inclination. Don't you think we crave that from yeah. our friendships in some ways? Sometimes I just, I wish, and, and it's probably partly my own fault that I haven't cultivated a depth in my own friendships to get yeah. that in return. But I think you're right. I think it's such a gift to receive yeah. that from a friend. It's a, it's, its own yeah, means it of really grace. Yeah, it really is. I think um, I can, it's maybe worth, uh, to like, as I hear that, I think, man, I want to spend a few minutes today and ha like, thank God for these moments and these friendships and these times when somebody is, you know, beside me telling me the truth. And to, I want to cultivate that with other people. I want to be that kind of friend. And I think we have to be, like, I think I need continued healing to say, to ask God to free me from the desire to keep everybody happy and to perform well all the time so that I can actually be a friend. And it sounds so simple. It's like, but I'm not sure I can be a friend unless that healing happens. I think that's something Deanna and I have really appreciated about you, Sandra, and watching is that just to be with you for a while is to see you are very intentional about being mm -hmm. contemplative it's, and you, you, you make space and time. I'm, I'm sort of inspired by that. And I know Deanna is too, that um, it doesn't come naturally, right? Like you have to kind of work at these things. I, I would say whatever, whatever achievements we have in our marriage is mostly because Deanna has been mm -hmm. so intentional about it and invited me. And, and we see you in that kind of intentionality in your walk with God, which is just you. exemplary. Mm -hmm. I thank you mm -hmm. very much. What is your timeline for the book that you're working on now, Jamie? Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, so that's a, this is, yeah. The um, on the road with Augustine will. Uh, it's not even really due till the end of okay. next year. This is this is my little gift to myself was actually to tell my publisher I I really want a long time to let this okay. book percolate slowly. It's, I, it's, it's a very different process than mm -hmm. I've done with any other books. So um, I'm in the thick of page proofs right now for Awaiting the King, which is volume three of, you know, Desiring the Kingdom, Imagining the Kingdom. And now this will be the final mm -hmm. volume of the trilogy. Uh, and it'll be okay. out in November. So um, I'm at that stage where I'm correcting page proofs and both hate it and love <laughs> it, depending on the hour. That sounds about right. I mean, that is just, I'm excited. I'm excited that's coming out. I'm glad. I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward to seeing good. it too. Okay. Well, um, 
thank you for spending time. Thanks. This was very fun. This was good. I hope we get. I hope we get to see each other in person sometime again soon. I hope so as well. Awesome. Awesome. Say hi to the kids for us. Bye, guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Steadfast is a Harbor Media production. It was produced by Mike Cosper. It was edited by Mike Cosper and TJ Hester. Mixed by Mark Owens. It was recorded by Seth Talley. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. In the meantime, if you want to be part of this conversation, if you have a story you want to share about God's steadfast love and the way He has met you and the circumstances of your lives, then we'd love for you to share it with us. Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to steadfastwithsandra at gmail.com. We will be featuring some of these stories on the upcoming episodes. All right. Thanks so much, folks. See you in two weeks.